Johnson back to Fortino. Fortino rolling puck down low. Shot scores. It's Pula again. Canada wins gold in overtime. Welcome to Changing on the Fly, a podcast about hockey, politics, and social change. I'm your host, Aaron Lakoff. Like blades on the ice, Changing on the Fly cuts right to the heart of today's most important issues in hockey. We go beyond the stats and pundits to bring you hard-hitting analysis on the politics of the game we love. From taking on racism and sexism in the locker room, to looking at the impacts of climate change on hockey, we amplify voices from the margins and bring them to center ice. Stay with us. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode 12 of Changing on the Fly, a podcast where we look at the intersections of hockey and politics and drop the gloves against injustice right at center ice. My name is Aaron. Thank you so much for being back with us. Spring is here. The NHL playoffs are in full swing and actually, you know, just about rounding down right now. Because at the time we're recording this, it is the Boston Bruins and St. Louis Blues that have advanced to the Stanley Cup Finals. So, as you guys probably know if you've listened to this show, being a Habs fan myself, I'm firmly in the anyone but Boston camp, so go Blues! Um, But also, you know, it would be really exciting to see the St. Louis Blues win the first Stanley Cup for their first time in franchise history, just like it was to see the Washington Capitals win the Stanley Cup for their first time last year. Although I would really implore them, if anyone from the Blues or the Bruins are listening, to not go to the Trump White House after you win, like the Pittsburgh Penguins and Capitals shamefully did. But anyways, don't know if I have their ears just yet. Okay, so I digress. Getting back to today's episode. We're, well, no, that wasn't really a digression. That's what, we're, uh, that's what we're here for. So we're finally bringing you part two of a two-part series that I'm calling Pucks, Punks, and Politics, Conversations with Punk Rock Musicians on Hockey, Radical Politics, and the Art of Getting Loud. So the first part of this series was with Chris Tu from Anti-Flag, and if you missed that, you can go back and listen to episode 10 at our website, changingonthefly.ca, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is going to be with George Samoleski, the drummer of the seminal Winnipeg punk band Propagandy. Aside from being a very busy touring musician for the last 25 years, George is also a dedicated human rights activist in his hometown, and join me for a discussion to talk about Propagandy's latest album, how to stave off impending climate doom, and why he just can't cheer for the Winnipeg Jets, at least in their most recent incarnation. So more on that in just a little bit. But before we get into it, I wanted to go back to a story that we've been covering lately, which is the massive and heartbreaking news of the shutdown of the Canadian Women's Hockey League, or CWHL. And of course, if you missed it, make sure you go back and listen to episode 11 of our podcast for an in-depth discussion on all of that with Shereen Ahmed and Erica Ayala. 
So this story has taken on all sorts of twists and turns and keeps on evolving. Shortly after the CWHL announcement they were going to close, there was the NWHL, the National Women's Hockey League in the States, that announced that they were going to be expanding into Canada with two franchises in Toronto and Montreal next season. Not an ideal solution by far, but maybe at least something? I don't know. But then another couple weeks after that NWHL announcement, there was another groundbreaking move, and this time it came from the players themselves. About 200 women's players got together to organize a boycott to sit out the next season of professional hockey until a long-term sustainable solution is found in consultation with the players themselves. That's kind of the key right there. And they put out a statement and has some signers from some of the biggest names in the game, people like Marie-Philippe Poulain, Hilary Knight, and Shannon Sabados. These players have formed a new professional women's hockey player association, and the statement they release is so powerful that it bears repeating here at length. So I'm going to read that for you right now. We are fortunate to be ambassadors of this game that we revere so deeply, and yet, more than ever, we understand the responsibility that comes with that ambassadorship, to leave this game in better shape than when we entered it. That's why we've come together, over 200 players strong, to say it is time to create a sustainable profession, professional league for women's hockey. While we have all accomplished so much, there's no greater accomplishment than what we have the potential to do right here and now. Not just for this generation of hockey players, but for generations to come. I love that. With that purpose, we are coming together, not as individual players, but as one collective voice to help navigate the future and protect the players' needs. We cannot make a sustainable living playing in the current state of the professional game. We have no health insurance, and making as low as $2,000 a season means players can't adequately train and prepare themselves for the next highest level. Uh, what about even paying rent at that level? Jeez. But because of that, together as players, we will not play in any professional leagues in North America this season until we get the resources that professional hockey demands and deserves. We may have represented different teams, leagues, and countries, but this sport is one family. And the time is now for that family to unite. This is the moment we have all been waiting for, our moment to come together to say we deserve more. It's time for a long-term viable professional women's league that will showcase the greatest product of women's professional hockey in the world. Hashtag for the game. Damn, that is powerful and power to them for organizing for collective betterment. So that's the big news and mark my words, we'll continue to follow this story to the best of our capabilities as it unfolds. Don't go anywhere, we'll be right back. Just a little bit of housekeeping before we get into that interview with George from Propagandy. I love doing this show. I love bringing it to you, to all of your ears, because I think that a progressive and radical voice in the world of hockey media is so much needed. There aren't that many shows doing it. There are a few, but really too far between. And so if you love this show, if you love getting it, just know that, you know, no one's paying me to do this. I don't have any sponsors. You're not hearing any annoying ads from mattress companies. 
I work a full-time job, so I'm basically doing this on my days off and trying to squeeze it in wherever I have time. But you know, it does cost money to do and your support would be so greatly needed and appreciated. So there's many ways you can support this podcast. One is just by sharing on social media, you know, give a quick retweet to all of our stuff, a share on Facebook. You can share our stuff on Instagram or just tell friends in person about the show, people who you play hockey with, people who you enjoy watching hockey with. You know, if they want to see a better world come out of hockey, one without sexism and without racism, say, hey, change it on the fly. Check that shit out. Um, But also another great way you can support the show is with your own dollars. And, you know, I know times are tough. I know a lot of us don't have that much money. And that's why we have found a really easy solution for you. You can support us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. You sign up, you plug in your credit card info. You don't even have to worry about it. Shooting us $1 a month is like, damn, you can't even buy a candy bar for $1 a month. So, you know, why not put that towards a good investment? You can hit pause on the podcast now and shuffle over to patreon.com slash changing on the fly. We've got some great perks for people who donate. So go check us out. Also, we are a proud member of the Upford Network. Find your new favorite podcast at upfordnetwork.com. All right, that's it. Let's get back into this. So our feature interview on the show today is with a true Canadian punk legend, George Samoleski of the band Propagandi. Now, if you don't know anything about punk or about Propagandi, I think you're going to love this interview because Propagandi are such a lovable band and the connection with hockey is huge. Propagandi formed way back in the late 1980s in the frozen and hockey-crazed prairie city of Winnipeg, Manitoba. George Samoleski is their drummer and also one of the founding members who's still in the band today. He and Chris Hanna, the lead singer, are the two longest standing members and still rocking out with shows all around the world, still cranking out albums after all these years. Now, Propagandi are credited with bringing tons of young Canadian kids, and I imagine just like tons of young punks all over the world in general, into radical politics, including myself. Their lyrics are powerful, poignant, and political, and touch on issues like environmental defense, veganism, feminism, and indigenous solidarity. But throughout their 30-year career, they've always peppered their lyrics with cheeky little hockey references here and there. It's an ode to their prairie roots, but also the fact that many members of the band are huge hockey fans. So in their songs, you get lines like this. Are also lines like this. Like 
so that was our upcoming guest, George shredding it on the drums and Chris Hanna on vocals. And yes, Chris is a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, despite living in the peg. And we're going to get into that tension in just a little bit because it's an interesting one. I had a chance to sit down with George right before they played a sold out show in Montreal a while back on tour for their latest album, Victory Lap. And I think you're going to like it. So without further ado, punks, pucks, and politics with George Samaleski from Propagandi. Here we go. All right, I'm here in Montreal right now with George from Propagandi, back in the city after quite a few years. Uh, so welcome back to Montreal. Well, thanks very much. Glad to be back. All right. Mm-hmm. You guys are touring a brand new album right now. It's called Victory Lap. I think this album really like screams again, like the sign of the times that we're living these days. Donald Trump, growing fascism and the alt-right, not only in the U.S., but like here in Canada as well. Maybe tell us like about some of like the, the emotions and, and like especially like the political emotions that you guys were feeling going into this album and writing it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the last five years since we did the last record was uh, hasn't been an easy time. We had a lot of, uh, you know, personal issues we had to uh, we were confronted with some health health concerns. Sorry. And, uh, you know, we kept working slowly on the record uh, on and off um, over the years and. yeah, like it's it's an enjoyable process. Like I enjoy just, you know, working on music. Love the people I'm working with. Uh, it's a lot of fun just getting together in the afternoons and working on things where you can kind of take your mind off of what's going on uh, in larger life. But yeah, I have to admit, like the last couple of years have been, uh, you know, politically and environmentally have been uh, almost overwhelming to me. I've found that, uh, you know, my personal life um, with a few difficulties and then just the world, you know, understanding the the environmental catastrophe we're, you know, in the middle of and watching, you know, the symptoms of that come come alive and, you know... uh, all that growing year to year um, trying to educate myself as best I can of what we can do within this system to uh, you know try to prevent this catastrophe or min- minimize it or mitigate it to some sort of um, level that we can kind of feel you know I don't even know uh, I just I just uh, like for with with the Leap Manifesto, for example, we were approached to sign that, uh, and it's something that that I, I wholeheartedly endorse. I understand, you know, a few you know critiques of 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 the Leap, um, and uh, I, I'm just trying to f- like sort it all out, and 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 like the chips haven't fallen to an extent where I've I've been able to. Uh, put everything together in, into something that I feel confident with and, and just have a direction with my life. I feel like everything's just scrambled around and I'm grasping at straws at this point. Um, because my interpretation of the environmental catastrophe is 
we, we live with such an insane, like the capitalist economy is based on this cancerous logic of infinite growth with, with we have one world, limited resources. It just does not make sense. And the production, the overproduction of throwaway items and stuff like that, it's just, we can't sustain this. And I don't think that uh, converting to a, a so-called green sort of uh, energy technology to achieve the same consumption rates does not make any sense to me. And uh, I think what we need to do is like try to reverse that. I, I don't believe in sustainability and capitalism. I, I think that's just a, a pipe dream. And um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And I say this, you know, uh, you know, trying to, we drive around in a van, we're putting out vinyl LPs and all this kind of stuff. And I just, I don't, I don't know. Like part of me is like, what, what the hell should we be doing? Like maybe we should, I, on the other hand, I don't know if just, you know, running off into the bush and, you know, you know, getting an organic farm together is the answer either. But it, like, I, I'm just kind of confused at the, at the direction of it all because the peoples that, that I take the most stock from, it's it's very very the situation is so dire i just don't know where we're going to be and uh and what we're going to see in the rest of our lifetimes you know like mm -hmm. I, th I think as a kid i grew up th with the nuclear threat and you know understanding that at age of 10 years old like holy shit like they press the button we too. can we can all be gone here yeah, it, yeah and that like of course the nuclear uh what is it two minutes to midnight again all of a sudden mm -hmm. Um, but the environmental catastrophe as well it's like we're we're going in that direction the way i see it is if if the economy stays you know even even if we can cur curtail it to a large degree we're still heading down this path of of what i consider to be an imminent collapse at this point and uh when the flames begins, the horn of the brave the step into what the border was in vain Faces, palm faces pale As the wall they said would make them great could not be scaled When the free market Fundamentalist steps out the room side by my side Can I hardly bleed into death? I swear to Red Red I'll ask a feeling that invisible hell Say not all cops I, I think we need to uh, attack the capitalist mentality. Like, we just can't have this. We, the oil has to stay in the ground. We can't produce all this garbage. And yet, it's the development model for all, all the emerging nations, and everybody wants to catch up yeah. to where we're at. An another thought I have based on that is uh, when I was 18, I moved to Winnipeg, and I went to a... Uh, event at the public library and I'll never forget this uh, another professor for the U of M was speaking and basically just saying you know if China develops to an approximate standard of living what of what the West had at that time he, he basically was saying like the planet's done like we you know we have to start uh, shifting things now you know everywhere not not just you know not allowing China or India to develop but you know and what have we seen? It's like the system is so powerful and uh, 
you know, the reality that we all live in under mainstream media and corporate media control is just, you know, yeah. it's uh, hedonistic, just work, spend, and continue this pyramid scheme of imminent destruction going. And that's my, you know, the last uh, 30 years of my life, it's just been ramping that up instead of going the other direction. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. And at the same time, though, I think like, propaganda in a way has kind of always been like a signpost for for so many people figuring out politics too like i remember so clearly like being in in grade 10 and getting my hands on less talk more rock you know reading through the liner notes and just like that being really useful in terms of like figuring things out at the time you know so it's like the times are grim but for me it's like it's really useful to have bands out there who might not be putting forward like the solutions but are at least speaking to like the magnitude of how bad shit is you know so. yeah i mean I, I i think you know in those days we were trying to just extend the the punk rock the radical sliver of punk rock you know we were heavily influenced by uh bands like mdc and the dead kennedys uh the subhumans uk for me was a huge band and uh you know, over the years, try, just trying to have, like, book tables, occasionally, you know, offering space to local radical bookshops, just, you know, here's this shop in your hometown, you know, mm-hmm. here it is, you can go and support them, buy them books right here, that kind of thing. Inviting some activists to speak, and I, I, I that that's the, the part of the band where I feel like, uh, I don't know, I'm, 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 satisfied with that angle that we that we continue to to do that Mm -hmm. um and you know another thing that i think really stands out for me for with propaganda is like you guys are kind of like i mean like the quintessential prairie punks uh in the sense that that that's reflected so much uh, in your music and I want to like shift the focus a little bit um, because you know one thing that is like really emblematic thinking about the band um, and the prairies is hockey and and I wanted to talk about that a little bit um, because you guys have, have have worked hockey into your lyrics in like a really interesting way you know the song that stands out the most for me is Dear Coach's Corner uh, from the album Supporting Cast starts out with like that crazy quote uh from don cherry talking about uh let's support the troops mm. you know that was sickening last week by the way what uh, what is going junk. on with you here no, that's not what is this stuff on here we're hockey night in canada and we're talking about saving the world and all that stuff let's talk hockey well, that's the whole idea behind december yeah. the 25th let's talk about some good guys okay let's talk about the troops <laughs> So tell us just like a little bit about that song and, and how that came into fruition. Well, I think, you know, um, Chris and I, not Todd so much, but we were, you know, socialized. Uh, we, we embraced that as kids and our parents, you know, that's the Canadian thing, the Canadian way to bring up your kids, get them involved in that particular team sport. And, uh, yeah, we loved it for a number of years. Um, you know, I used to be a fan of, of uh, you know, the NHL, that kind of stuff. I'm not so big into it now. Um, there's nobody I really root for or anything like that. You're not a Jets fan? 
Um, you know, I was about to be okay. uh, the, the second time they came around. Uh-huh. I was ready for it. But when they actually uh, rebranded the logo and all right. that stuff, it turned me off. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. I went to a game and witnessed what they were playing before the anthem. Uh, the captain at the time, Andrew Ladd, stepping out of a fighter you know, jet and, uh, you know, military fatigues, all this kind of stuff. And it just seemed like the militarization of corporate sports presentations on TV and that kind of stuff just ramped up over the years. And it just seemed like, wow, you're borrowing a page out of the NFL here. And this is just, it's, it, it, it grossed me right out considering what Canada's involved with overseas and stuff the whole Afghanistan thing it just yeah it it made me sick and I I honestly it deflated me quite a bit at that point I had their logo went from being such an innocent kind of like 747 jet to being this like F-16 like fighter jet you know yeah it it reeks and uh, I was hoping they were just gonna keep the Atlanta name call call the team the Winnipeg Thrashers I would have been on board (laughs) but uh yeah, no, I, th- I thought uh, that was sickening and how everybody just gobbles it up without questioning it any, in any really meaningful way. It was, uh, yeah, mm. not for me. Mm-hmm. And like, so of course that song, Dear Coach's Corner, touches on like that connection between hockey and the military industrial complex, talking about, you know, the, the yellow ribbons and, and soldiers rappelling down from the rafters. Um, so, you know, as someone who, who grew up with hockey, you know, I grew up with hockey too, um, this is like this is disturbing to see right and maybe like just like unpack that a little bit like just you know some of the things like you were saying it's it's really uncomfortable being at these games like that song's really touching on that um like what's what's disturbing about it i guess just seeing how easily uh uh, well the influence of big money and taking your your money and and selling this product isn't enough it's literally involving like these uh sort of uh imperialist ideas you know and and integrating that into just mass culture in general and uh that sort of uh jingoistic touch is uh is uh revolting you know Mm um i think it's interesting when people you know like We had an activist, well, I I shouldn't say an activist hockey team. There were a lot of uh, activists that uh, we started our team with and just a left sort of general uh, tendency amongst most of the players on our team. And and even with that, like, I felt like this is a good way to get to know each other better, stick ourselves out there. We're playing just, you know, pretty much mainstream folks and – you know, throwing ourselves out there as this unit and having a few laughs. And, and even with that, it, 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 it almost seemed like, okay, now everybody's really excited about playing hockey and everything else is getting left on the shelf. And mm-hmm. here we are just playing games and kind of ignoring everything else. So I, I, I have mixed feelings about the whole thing, but also just trying to place myself in, in uh, what to do these days is, is difficult. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got to have fun. But, you know, depending on who you are, trying to figure out what, what your role is in, in larger life, too. I, you know, I, I, wish, I wish we could push the envelope with that kind of stuff, you know. And, uh, but like I said, I haven't, I haven't played in the last couple of years, so I'm not really mm-hmm. uh, 
involved right now. Mm -hmm. And coming back to that song, Dear Coach's Corner, I think one of the reasons why it speaks to me is like the song's reflecting on like growing up loving the sport so much, but then seeing it um, just completely like torn apart by the the corporations and, and by the military industrial complex. There's a line from it that I really love, you know, where it uh, says, Dear Ron McLean, I wouldn't bother with these questions if I didn't sense some spiritual connection. And it's not like uh, we may not be the same, but we're not from different planets. We both love this game so much we can hardly effing stand it. Dear Ron McLean, I wouldn't bother with these questions. I mean, it also kind of speaks to this tension in Canada, right? Where it's like you have this game that people like from the left and the right of the spectrum both love, but there's been this like conservative culture that's kind of taken it over. I'm wondering like, is that, do you kind of like see that reflect in the song or reflections on that? Well, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like I think hockey is kind of a conservative game. And over the years, like, I mean, when I grew up playing it, we had community clubs in the small towns in Manitoba where they had gear for people, for kids to use. You'd go down to the community club. All the games were outside. It's actually quite cheap. If you were a parent um, that didn't have a lot of money, you know, you, you could enroll your kid and know that they're going to be, you know, there's gear, they, everything that you need. You know, community coaches, that kind of stuff, but you can get out and do it. And then over the years, as I was growing up, they didn't do the outdoor rinks anymore. Everything was pushed inside. Now you have to have your own gear. And it, it became a, a much more of a middle-class game, you know? Um, I think in terms of uh, just general society, any, anything that's going to be popular, the, the corporate tentacles are going to come around and, and grab as much of it as they can and, and reproduce it in a way where they can maximize their profits. Um, not dissimilar from the music industry, really, in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, if money's to be made, they want to control it. And, you know, and like the ideological streaks that are uh, sort of present, like, say, in the NFL right now, the, this uh, anthem issue going on down there, I think is really, really interesting because there's a lot of... Uh, athletes from marginalized communities standing up and I think they're doing a better job than the arts community is in a lot of ways. Mm. I've seen a lot of bands recently since Trump came in that aren't saying fuck all about or <laughs> about, about uh, what's yeah. going on down there. It's just kind of this really tepid you know uh, very very cautious you know people aren't, aren't really sticking their their necks out on anything and uh I guess people are maybe afraid of repercussions in some way. I, I'm not too sure, but mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up too because I was going to ask you, like, it's such an exciting time in sports where forever we've seen this conservative culture take it over and now with, like, Colin Kaepernick and all these players, there, there was just 
Last week, the first player in the NHL, black player, raised his fist during the national anthem, JT Brown, uh, on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, so, that's, that's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. That's really going out on a limb. I respect that 100%. That's yeah. totally great. As, as a Habs fan, it almost makes me want to just become a Tampa Bay Lightning fan <laughs> just for that. Your guitarist is from Tampa, isn't she? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she, right. yeah she's, uh, she's lived there for a number of years. She's, she grew up. I think in Puerto Rico till she was maybe four or five and then lived in New York for a number of years now, Tampa and thinking of relocating to New York again. So All right. well, yeah. anyways, props to the Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. You know what? We, I might just leave it there just because, uh, you got a show to play and, uh, yeah, but thank you so much for uh, taking the time today. Okay. Well, thanks very much, Aaron. All right. So once again, that was George from Propagandy. Thanks so much for listening. So check it out. Summer is almost here, or maybe depending on where you're living, summer is in full bloom. Definitely not in Montreal right now. Uh, But that means we've got better things to do than being in front of a computer all the time, including myself. It also means, are we really paying attention to hockey podcasts anymore in the summer? Nah, you're probably just paying attention to your beer on the beach. So I'm going to be putting out one more episode of this podcast to end off season one. We're going to take a break for the summer and be back in the fall with season two. So if you're a Patreon supporter, you won't get charged for your monthly contributions in the summer. And we thank you so much for being with us for this first season of Changing on the Fly. It's really been huge. We got a write-up on the CBC We participated in a roundtable discussion on hockey and racism in Kingston. We got shout-outs from some of the top podcasters on sports and politics, people like Ryan McMahon from the Thunder Bay podcast, or Dave Zirin from Edge of Sports, and much, much more. So that's it for us for this episode. And I want to again say a massive thanks to our supporters on Patreon who make this show happen. Anne, Aiden, Jeff, Nick A, Jeremy, Andrew, Nick T., Ellen, Sam, Grill, Dasha, Dan, Shona, Amber, and Bruce, and our latest patron, Norm. Hey, Norm. That's my uncle. Anyways, once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. I'm Julian McKenzie, co-host of the Scrum Podcast, a sports show I'm doing with my podcasting partner in crime, Tristan Damore, on the UpFord Network. Every week, we analyze something different from the Canadian sports media landscape. Lack of diversity, getting a job in the field, coverage of different sports, and answering some of the harder questions. Through a combination of back-and-forth discussion and high-profile guest interviews, we're aiming to figure out exactly what's up in the world of sports. Find us wherever podcasts are sold. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, Message in a Bottle, Morse Code, Telegram, Singing Telegram, Target, Walgreens, Bird's Nest, Dad's Shed, uh, and a crowded convention center bathroom. Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Sass. And we're the host of The Last Stretch, a sports podcast. It's a podcast where we're going to talk about, well, sports. Specifically, what we do look at is what makes an athlete be the best that they can be. So not only do we talk to some athletes, but we talk to the people behind the athletes, from trainers to sports psychologists, you name it, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about other issues revolving sports as well, hot button issues like concussions, maybe doping. Give us a listen. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. You're not a Jets fan. 
Um, you know, I was about to be uh, the, the second time they came around. Uh-huh. I was ready for it. But when they actually uh, rebranded the logo and all right. that stuff, it turned me off. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. I went to a game and witnessed what they were playing before the anthem. Uh, the captain at the time, Andrew Ladd, stepping out of a fighter you know, jet and, uh, you know, military fatigues, all this kind of stuff. And it just seemed like the militarization of corporate sports presentations on TV and that kind of stuff just ramped up over the years and it just seemed like wow you're borrowing a page out of the NFL here and this is just it's it 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 grossed me right out considering what Canada's involved with overseas and stuff 